When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the 100th. Yes, you heard that right. 100th episode of the A-List podcast. I'm joined by with Gary Washburn, but more importantly, I'm joined by Ashrod Blakely, who is currently celebrating his birthday as we record. Happy birthday, Sherrod. And well, my I'm not celebrating as we record. Trust me when I tell you, I am well, not, celebrating not celebrating right celebrating now. I will right afterwards. I yeah. will happy birthday, Sherrod. And happy birthday, Kwani. <laughs> happy birthday, Kwani's mama. Yes, more importantly, happy birthday to my mother. who the gave mama birth today? Yes, you guys have the same birthday, so. Wow. Happy birthday, Miss Lanise. <laughs> wow. You said the last name properly. Yeah. Snaps to that. But yes. But no happy- Fiondu. Can't do Fiondu, though, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Sherrod, how are you feeling? Another year older and wiser. I'm good. I'm just ready for another trip around the sun. I'm ready to talk about changes, you know? Changes, not just for me, but about this green team. I love you just want to skip over your birthday and talk about the big drama that everyone is focused on right now. I do. All right. We'll talk about it, but happy birthday again. As people may know at this point, Ime Udoka reportedly is being taken by the Brooklyn Nets. That's still not official but as of now we've read a bunch of reports gary has done a little bit of reporting himself gary what do you know at this point <laughs> uh the celtics will, will let he may go like they don't they're not going to put a stop they're not going to stop her to this and at this point they're not going to ask for compensation they just want the udoka era to end now they don't have to pay him um they're very happy with what joe Zula has done through six games. I know it's only been six games in the training camp, but they seem very encouraged by just the new leaf. And I I don't think once the Missoula kind of, you know, began to get comfortable and make some impact on the organization that there was no chance that Ime was going to be able to come back. So I just think the Celtics want to move on from the one-year Ime Udoka era, uh, allow Ime to coach in the league in, I didn't think it would happen this fast, but I do believe that uh, it's going to happen in Brooklyn and he's going to be right down the road uh, for the Nets. Mm-hmm. And for I think for the Celtics, you know, bringing an end to this chapter, it's 
it's uh, it's clearly what they wanted to do. But mm-hmm. I, I think what, just looking at it in hindsight, I think they wanted to have the option of potentially pursuing compensation, uh, which it, when you think about it, it makes sense why you would suspend him for the year versus firing him. You fire him, you get nothing. You have no shot at getting anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, remember when Doc Rivers, you know, wanted to go to L.A. and they were able to get a first round pick out of that. Uh, that's because that was a coach that wanted to leave and go somewhere, and they did not want him to leave. This completely different situation. They were more than happy that somebody wanted to take Ime Yudoka uh, off their hands. And, and so frankly, you know, Brooklyn, this is yet another uh, one of those, damn, Brooklyn, really? Type of things. Because Ime was the guy you could have had all along. Mm-hmm. And the other guy you could have had along was Jock Vaughn, who's the interim coach, who's yeah. probably going to do a better job as an interim coach than Steve Nash did. Uh, Steve Nash was a great player, but he was a horrible head coach. And part of why he was such a bad coach was he didn't have coaching credibility. He didn't do anything in that position that he was in to warrant them to respect him. One of the first preseason games, I will never forget this moment. They, Brooklyn was like, um, they were on the short end of a run. And then Kyrie just goes up to the ref and calls a timeout. And Steve Nash looked around like, okay, so he... He didn't even know. He didn't even know that a timeout was called until he's. So is coming. that more memorable when Kyrie and KD went on Instagram Live and said they're not going to need a coach, though? Because that right. was that should have been the red flag right. for the organization at that point. And if you're Steve Nash, I would have tried to work out a buyout when Kevin Durant said this summer that you I should be fired. Like mm-hmm. your best player clearly don't got confidence in you. The organization might do, but you haven't done anything to warrant that comp- that that confidence, other than the fact that they got you on the payroll. So, uh, but email. I, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, quickly on the Steve Nash note, if I found it very interesting that the Nets PR tweeted that they had mutually parted ways. Woj decided to tweet that Nash had gotten fired. I think Shams also said that they had agreed to part ways. But the language on both sides was pretty interesting to me because it was like, did they mutually agree to part ways or did he get fired? That's, they mutually that's agreed that you're going to get fired. That's <laughs> exactly. what happened. They mutually agreed that you're going to get fired. Those are my words. Yeah. Don't get fired. G-O-N space G-E-T fired. <laughs> but you were going to say something about Coach Udoka. Well, I just think this for him, this is a great opportunity to reset with a team that consists of players that you're familiar with. I think he will have a smoother transition than a lot of coaches that come into a situation. And, and let's be honest and keep it real. He coming with an edge. And he already had an edge to begin with. Now he's coming, he's coming with an edge and he's armed with two of the top 10, top 15 players in the game. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn's going to be a problem for some folks. So not should, this week, maybe yeah. not next week, but by the end of the year, yeah, it's going to be a problem for some folks. Okay, so you meant, you both mentioned how there's no compensation for Coach Udoka from the Celtics' end, but I think another big factor is the fact that they are divisional rivals. They obviously swept them in the first round of the playoffs last year. So I think the, the you both think the rivalry is stronger as a result now that there are these added fuels to the fire? Gary, what do you think, Gary? Or are they even, or is Brooklyn even relevant yet? No, I think it's a major rivalry. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting the first game that Udoka comes back to Boston and the reception he'll get. Yo, uh, those signs are going to be crazy. You know, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if Udoka has the credibility to just st- walk in like nothing happened in Boston. Like, I think sure. he's going to have to lot. 
like uh, like my man Ricky Ricardo, the great. Yeah, he just put a Ricky Ricardo. Ricky Ricardo once said, "Lucy, you got a lot of explaining to do." Like, um, eBay has a lot of explaining to do. Um, what happened? And obviously, he's going to New York. Like, he is not going to uh, Charlotte or Minnesota. He's going to a market that is going to press him about what the hell happened in Boston. And he's going to have a lot of, uh, you know, pro-women's groups in terms of the Me Too movement and and pro, you know, rights for women, obviously, understandably. Like, what's going on? What are you guys doing in Brooklyn? Like, it's not going to be a happy, big, happy family once he gets to Brooklyn. I mean, if, you know, this goes down. Like, to me, he's got a lot of explaining to do. It's going to be a lot of off-the-court situations. And, and it's, it's only been a month, mm-hmm. a month and a half. So he can't have resurrected himself like that quickly, right? Like, I thought if he were going to do the image thing, disappear for about eight, nine months, then reappear, you know, look a little dip, shave, do something that makes you look dramatically different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, grow dreads or something? What? Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, change your look, you know, just, just be a different person. It's hard for me to believe that after five weeks, He's done a 180 and he's going to like, no. So you're basically hiring almost the same guy that the Celtics don't want to coach. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, it's totally off the court on the court. It could very much work. I think he could have an effect, but for him to walk in there, like he LeVar ball going on, uh, you know, <laughs> no, you just rock with this. All, all the brand. Yeah. All the swag doesn't really, I don't see that's happening. Because the players know what went down. Hey, man, you know, in the media, in the organization. And what about the women in that organization? You know, what are they going to think? The women that work for the Nets. Mm-hmm. How does that impact them? Right. You know, so there's a lot that is going to go down. And he made that first press conference in Brooklyn. And, you know, he's going to explain himself. And is he going to say, Five weeks later, oh, I'm a completely changed man. No. Like he's going to have to admit mistakes. He's no. going to have to admit that unless he unless he does the denial game, I didn't do nothing. The shaggy I, won me. I was wronged. This is not, you know, I totally. My story is not. I've never told my story, but it's not what's been reported. Like he can do that angle, but he's going to have to be very apologetic and just keep his head down and coach and he's gonna have to meet with the media every day so this is more than just hoop this is the me too movement this is women's rights this is the the, the, how comfortable or uncomfortable he makes women in this organization now feel so there's a lot that is going to go on with this hire and the nets are taking a real chance because this guy you know uh and i said like he was a total professional with me I told like I I can't say I personally saw anything. I didn't, but obviously this is someone who made some real uh, bad mistakes over his time in Boston, and to say that he's suddenly a changed man in in five weeks, like you know, I mean no, like 
you know, this is, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that. So how does this work? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know how but, it works? Yeah. When? Point blank. That that this this hire has oh, absolutely yeah. nothing to do with anything other than winning basketball games, which to me is a recipe for disaster. When you put all your eggs in that one particular basket, because Eme, whether you know, regardless of what he says in that press conference, to, to Gary's point, you've got to show consistency over time. You've got to show growth and change over time. You can't just show up there and say, yep, I'm a different man five weeks later. Yeah, you went from being the, the, the hottest thing in the coaching game to unemployed or to be suspended for the year. And now you're back in the game with a team that's, what, two and five? So things have changed, but I'm not sure, to Gary's point, I'm not sure Eme has changed. And I'm not convinced that he's going to be all that apologetic at that opening presser. I would not be shocked if the the confidence that he exuded in Boston, when he really didn't have no receipts for that confidence, mm-hmm. is going to be still applicable in Brooklyn. Uh, Ime, right. as we all know, is extremely comfortable and confident in his ability to coach. And I mm-hmm. think that's going to be the message that he's going to try to push out as often as he can, that I'm here to coach, I'm here to coach. Just like, you know, you know, a players, I'm just here not to get fined. Ime's just there to coach. That's what's going to, that's going to be his mantra. And the players are going to absolutely fall in line with that. They're going to say, look, I don't know what happened in Boston, but all I know is he's a heck of a coach and we're glad he's here. And Ime is going to sing that same tune. Look, Boston is in the past. I'm going to leave that in the past. I'm here to be the Brooklyn Nets head coach. That's what my focus is on. And as much as we're going to try as the members of the media to try to get him to open up about that, I don't think he will. And there will be at some point, I, I got to believe that there's certain things that Ime has agreed to not talk about. Um, mm-hmm. And that those are the, a lot of the questions, as you can imagine, we want answers to. I mean, think back to that Brad Stevens and, and Wick Grosbeck press conference. Uh, and I, I thought Wick's, you know, the statement that he made about, I'm not used to having things of paper to, to, to kind of, you know, limit myself because I like being open and free talking. And Ime isn't like that. Um, so for Ime, saying very little, that's going to come naturally to him. Uh, and being more guarded, that's going to come natural to him because, you know, in his time in Boston, we never really got to know him. We never really got to to, to be around him the way we were like Brad mm-hmm. Stevens or Doc Rivers and some of the other coaches that have come through here. Part of that had to do with the pandemic and just the constraints that we had as far as access. But a bigger part of it was just their demeanor. I mean, even though, you know, he was the head coach and we had all these limitations, there were still other assistant coaches that I spent time with that I got to know really well. You know, Will Hardy, who's in Sacramento, you know, him and I had a number of conversations uh, and most certainly more than I had with Ime. And I just think that Ime right now, he's in a, he is in the best landing spot that he could possibly be in considering all the stuff that, that he has been involved with at the near, near the end of his time in Boston. And if you add to that, well, for one, the bar is, kind of the floor when you think about Brooklyn, even though they have these superstars and they we've already heard 
now two seasons that they're supposed to be the next best thing when you talk about basketball. He doesn't have that much work to do in the sense of like the expectation for the Brooklyn Nets has still not exceeded what we expected. So I think in that, from a coaching standpoint, he's kind of good on that sense. If it's a failure, it's just, you know, you blame Kyrie. If it's not, he's just the, the genius of a coach that he's proven to be quotes so far here in Boston. But I think another thing, Gary, you mentioned only being five weeks out. Wouldn't you say the, the shelf life of a coach is a little short in that sense? Like if a year had gone by, would Ime even have a shot at being a head coach in the league? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought a year, I thought next season was a little pushing it, but maybe the year after, but I thought he would just need some time to this, not to be a story for this to cool down for this to um, become yesterday's news and him to rehabilitate his image, you know, do some interviews, tell people that he's changed and then walk into that interview with whatever team with confidence and say, Hey, I made a mistake now. I mean, to me, yeah, he's jumping on the calls while they're hot. I'm sure he's going to be compensated nicely in Brooklyn. It's a big time job. It's an organization that wants to win. He's not coaching, you know, Oklahoma city or something. So he is coaching a big time team in terms of wanting to compete. Uh, so, and I'm, he's got ties there. He was a former assistant coach, but to me, I just don't, I just don't think it's, it's even ex, to, it can be explained how you suddenly have rehabilitated, how have you changed as a man in a month? Like, or did you think you need to change? I mean, that's some of the hard questions that. That's a better question. Do you think be, you know, Or was it, was it a mistake? Was it just an error in judgment? Like, how are you going to frame, you know, what you were, what you did, how, and people are going to ask, and it's going to be TMZ and all these people in the entertainment blogs and paid six and all that, because this is, this is more than basketball. So I, I think that he's jumping on the calls when they're hot. I'm sure that there were conversations with his representative saying, well, if we were interested in you, would you are you ready to come back and coach now? I'm sure he was like, Yeah, I am. You've been and, and and you know, let's get this moving. So to me, I'm not so sure this is a good move for Ime Adoka for his long term, because I've just said before, his image right now isn't very good unless he just says, Hey, I had a this is what happened, this is all that happened, you know. But the Celtics seem like they know more of what's going down. Well, Gary, the, the one thing that that we we haven't talked about, but it, it's it's the reality of, of what went down, and that is timing is everything. Uh, what Ime did, if that happened five, six, eight, ten years earlier, he'd still be coaching the Celtics. Absolutely, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And and the one thing that that folks who are in posi- in executive positions in the NBA know is that what Ime did happens a lot. Uh, it has happened with damn near every organization in the NBA, if not all of them. And it has not led to firing. It has not led to punishment. But because of the time in which this happened, because of the era that we're living in, where these type of indiscretions become much more magnified uh, and have the potential to have much more uh, long-term systemic 
factors and issues and, and, and frankly, fallouts, it's a much bigger deal now. And the Celtics did the appropriate thing and dealt with it the way you're supposed to. But there's still that old vanguard of folks in the league who are looking at this like, yeah, that happened in Boston, but that happens all the time. Are we going to allow that to sway our, our perspective, our, our, the way we perceive him as a head coach, a leader of our organization? And to me, it, it's, it's a quasi-enabling dynamic that folks like Ime are going to experience. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the conversations about what happened in Boston are going to be very long with the folks in Brooklyn. I think that they, based on what they know, they'll ask him, is there anything else that we need to know that we don't know about right now? And he may, may have something to say. He may not have something to say. But the bottom line is he's walking into a situation that could not be any more perfectly built for him to succeed. You've got talent already there. You've got ownership who has already embraced your flaws. I mean, usually you got to spend some time with folks to figure yeah, out they already what know. you don't like. They already know. They already know where the rails need to be put in order to keep Eme in check. They know that. And they're going to do that. Uh, and to your point, Gary, as far as the female employees, I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, because the Brooklyn Nets, they've been like a lot of NBA teams in terms of becoming more diverse with their staffing, whether it's their sideline reporters, whether yeah. it's folks within their front office. And there's certainly, uh, they, they have addressed that. And it'll be very interesting to see how they uh, handle that. And you better believe that the women in, in those positions, they're going to be reaching out to the women in the Celtics organization and get all the intel they possibly can about Eme to see if that, and what, are there any things that they need to know that they don't know about already? Uh, so Eme, you know, people wonder, you know, did the Nets vet him well enough? I'm, I'm not worried about that vetting. I'm worried about the vetting that those, uh, and not even worried, I'm more interested in the vetting process of those that are going to be working with him are going through because they're the ones that really need to know. They're yeah. the ones that really, that are going to be dealing with on a regular basis. They need to know what the hell they're dealing with because, you know, ownership, you might see Eme before the game and you might see him after the game and you may see him every now and then, but if you're working in that building, if you're working in an organization, you're going to see him with much more regularity. You need to know what the hell you're dealing with. And you better believe that folks are asking questions. One final note one before we leave this subject, take it with a grain of salt. But I just found it very interesting that of all the teams in the league, he is back in the hometown of the great Neil Long. Just I was waiting for you to put that. I was waiting for that, Kwani. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know what that says, but it's just a very interesting thing. To Reunite it. We'll see if it feels good. I can't go peaches and herb on them just yet. We don't know. We don't know. But well, moving on. Hold on, but. Yep, yeah. Nia's from Los Angeles. Well, she claims Brooklyn heavy. She claims Brooklyn. She okay. Claims- well, Gary, why would she claim Los Angeles, Gary? Because <laughs> Gary because wants we to claim to- LA. Because we went to the same high school. Anyway. Thank you, thank you. You're not claiming it, Otto. Wait, okay. That would have flexed, though. Did we you did. know her? No, did not know her in high school. No. Okay, okay. I was waiting for him to tell y'all that. Why did you tell us this last time? I, it didn't come up. Yeah, we, we went to the same high school. So now, so now he gone. So now guys spilling all the tea. Wait, I got to send all my, my kids to that high school then. And it, clearly great talent comes from that school. But Gary went to that high school too. So what you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you're already here trying to give a compliment. Amir Johnson Neil went to that same high school. Long and Neil Long and Regina King. I know. Sure. Yeah, Brenda. 
Brenda from 227. Brenda. Wow. And, and Tim's story, who directed the first barbershop. He's, a, he's directed black other movies. Excellence, but, yeah. including Amir Johnson. Don't forget Amir Johnson. Right. He has a little bit of yeah, Amir Johnson. He didn't want to say his Trevor, 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 Trevor Reason. Really? Um, oh. Yeah. I didn't know Trevor went there too. He went to like Westchester. Uh, he went to Westchester. Damn, Gary. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, um, we'll see what happens. And, I, and, and, and for personally, if 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 his son and still lives in Brooklyn, he gets a chance to be closer to his son. So I'm just going to be fascinated with what he says to the New York media mm. in that first press conference and when women's groups and when pro women's groups in terms of just the, the women's rights. And as I said, uh, we're out there picketing Nets games and show, you know, what, what are they going to, what is the organization going to say to that? Because they have every right to have an issue with this. I just and don't want him to what, go all oh, shaggy. It wasn't me on him. Yeah. I don't want him to do that. So what are the women in this Nets organization? What do they think about this? I, I, I'm fascinated to see that too. Mm-hmm. Football is back, guys, and BetOnline remains your number one sport source for all your football betting needs this season. I still have to bet on my Jets because they're still looking good, but Wait, whatever team you root for. The Jets? Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's the Jets? Wait, wow. It's because we're talking about New York so much. We need to revamp, refresh. The, the actual New York team, the New York Giants, is my team that's that I, what I was wondering like what yeah that's weird about? i don't know my brain i told you it's been a long day but we're gonna get through this so anyway back to bet online there where you can find the latest odds team matchups player news etc except anything that you need when it comes to sports betting bet online has you covered as your continued source for sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests live scores giveaways, all of that all season long. So they're always the fastest, easiest way to bet on your favorite sport. And the only thing you have to do is head to betaline.ag. You can join now with a 50% welcome bonus for that first deposit. All you have to do is use that promo code CLNS50 for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the games start. While we're in Brooklyn, I wanted to leave New York, but I feel as though we should stay in Brooklyn for just a little bit longer because we have to talk about Kyrie Irving because he oh. is also the biggest yeah I know I'm sorry but it's in the rundown so we have to talk about it Kyrie has been very I don't even know the term he's been he posted a link to a film that has been deemed anti-semitic on his Twitter account and had a little back and forth with an ESPN reporter. I'm sure if you're online at this point, you've probably seen it. But what do you two think, if there will be at all, is the penalty? The Brooklyn Nets have already pushed back on saying that they do not condone anti-Semitism. And as you both know, we've also seen a rise in it as a result of Kanye West's comments earlier this, well, last month. And of course, people have felt, I think, empowered now that Twitter is owned by Elon Musk. And it just uh, literally, uh, it could word vomit everything that's going on, but I'm sure everyone listening already knows. But specifically with Kyrie, do you two think there will be any kind of penalty for one, the things that he's posted on his platform, but two, just the way he's been standing behind what he said at this point? Go, Gary. You got it. No. 
I think um, if something was going to happen, it would happen by now. Yeah. Um, I think the league is just trying to hope this, this, you know, move on from this, release a bunch of statements that are nameless and don't point out Kyrie's yeah. uh, in particular and keep it moving. And I, I, I got to say this, like uh, the movie that Kyrie pointed, Hebrews and Negroes, it's 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 a it's it's a movie and i haven't seen it okay we're just reading about it it's kind of like um a a philosophy on who is the original man on earth Mm -hmm. and it says that black black africans were black people okay if that is black um, hebrew israelites movement essentially yes Yes, the black israelites movement and you know growing up in los angeles and seeing people with all types of political Mm -hmm. i've seen folks before the the you know asiatic black folks and the like people that think that we're jews all all that i've seen that before you know you go to your local park and the brothers is telling you what they think and mm-hmm. asking you Handing things like that. yes you know asking you to you know saying you know they have certain their particular religious beliefs mm-hmm. okay now i'm not sure if Kyrie. The movie is over two hours, I mean, over three hours, okay? So, um, and I'm not saying he's not smart enough to watch it or whatever. Did he watch the movie? Did he read the book? Because it's based off a book from 2015, okay? Um, That's the question I have. And if you haven't, and it sounds like something that you would support, because I think at this point, it's safe to say, like, Kyrie has embraced Black nationalism. He has, you know, embraced... Uh, the Muslim faith he is he is he is changing, which is that's his choice if that's what he wants to do. Okay, I've had family members, friends, become, you know, embrace Islam or more black nationalism and more where we come from, things like that. But you have to be able to explain that. And if you haven't seen the movie, and you know, then don't plug it as much because you do have four point five million followers. You do have a platform where people are going to say, oh, well, if Kyrie said, watch it, let me check this out. If he had just said, listen, I just want people to watch a certain, this type of movie. Like, I just want people to learn if they agree with it or don't agree with it. I just want them to get a different point of view. I would have respected that. I just want people to get a different point of view. Now, the anti-Semitic language, I've heard it has, like, that's terrible. I can't speak for that. Like, that's unacceptable. Like, you know, but if it's a movie where you feel like, listen, this is not uh, violent or this isn't, you know, offensive, but this is a different point of view, one that I'm learning about and I just plugged it or promoted it because I want people to think, tell me what they think of it. That would have been a better solution. That would have been something that's okay. Like, hey, I don't support this, but I just want people to say, watch this and say, what? tell me what they think. We all have seen movies about theories. I mean, there's 10 movies about the assassination of JFK and how it was the CIA, it was, you know, there was a the CIA, it was the FBI, it was the Russians, it was the Cubans. Like there's 10 theories on who killed JFK. There's other theories on who killed MLK, Martin Luther King. King's family came out years later and said they don't think it was James Earl Ray. Mm. You know, so there are different theories. I went to the Civil Rights Museum 
And there are, if, you've, if you guys have been in Memphis, the Civil Rights Museum has details and looks into all the theories of King's assassination. Hmm. You know, that it wasn't James Earl Ray, that it was, that it was you know, the, the CIA, things like that, that the conspiracy, all like, so if that's what you're trying to do, if you're Kyrie, I want people to look at this and tell me what they think or give me, then that's one thing. But to, to post it and you probably don't know all of what's in it and then be defensive about it, it's just going to turn the people that were trying to have your back, it's going to turn them off too because you're being defensive about it. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a conversation that happened in Milwaukee. Um, right after the All-Star game, when Kyrie had that infamous conversation with Katie. Kevin Durant at, at, in Charlotte. And we were, and Steve Bullpit from the Herald was pressing him about that conversation. And the more he pressed him about it, the more Kyrie got defensive about it. It was just two friends having a conversation, total denial. Now, did he, was he supposed to say, yeah, I was trying to get him to sign with Brooklyn because I'm out. Like, no, I don't expect him to say that. Yeah. But as we, as Sherrod and I learn and you learn, covering Kyrie's inexperience. And if you come at him with the wrong tone, with the wrong word usage, he is going to get defensive. You've got to ask him certain. That's the one thing I learned about Kyrie. Specific question. You have to ask him certain. You, you can't lead him. You can't. Talk to him like you expect him to answer a certain way. You can't say, Kyrie, uh, it rained today. Who says it rained? I saw water. Was that rain or was that mist? I didn't, like, you, you cannot assume that he is going to tell you something that even is the blatantly obvious. So I just go back to the conversation in Milwaukee where, you know, Bullpit was pressing him on that conversation and then it came up well why don't you tell the fans or you know that it's not it wasn't about you leaving boston or free agency it was about you know like man he was like what so i can you know and he kind of so i can you know you guys can go to social media and because social media like he he so he deflected it's not this it's the same situation he'll get defensive mm-hmm. but i think if he had a better explanation listen I didn't see the movie. I literally just wanted people to get a different point of view mm-hmm. because this is something I'm studying. I think people would have had respect for it. Now, not everybody would have liked it. Mm-hmm. And he probably would have said, listen, I saw it. I did not know there were so many anti-Semitic references or lyrics, lyrics, uh, you know, phrases, afraid, in, yeah. you know, in, in, the, in the movie and in, in scenes or, or whatever. You know, I haven't seen it. Um, it is on... It is available on social on uh you know on Amazon Prime. Prime, yeah, Prime. Now we all know about it. And that was another thing. Plug, I ain't gonna plug Amazon. I ain't paying this. That's, that's, that's what he said. But yeah. that's the thing. He got caught up in Nick Friedel's usage of the word promotion. To your point, Gary, of he was particular about what he was pulling out of the question. And the reality is that he was whether he admittedly wanted to to do so or not he was promoting it by posting it because like you said the 4.5 million followers that see it they're clicking that link out of curiosity out of 
spite whatever the case may be, they're still clicking because they're curious. And I think that is where the conversation was lost of him not understanding that whether he agreed with what Nick was saying, he was asking a question that was legitimate because it was seen as a form of promotion. The problem that tends to come up with when Kyrie gets into these little kerfuffles mm-hmm. with with us and media and, and just people in general is that he he recognizes that he has a tremendous amount of power and influence and sway over folks, but he doesn't embrace the responsibility that comes with that power, that comes with that 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 connectivity he has with fans. And in this particular instance, whether he intended to do this or not, and I don't think he intended to do it, but it does come off that way. He becomes another part of the narrative of individuals who are trying to normalize these type of anti-Semitic thoughts. And that's the scary part. It's one thing to deal with somebody who is intentionally trying to go there. It's scary to me when you're doing that without necessarily either recognizing you're doing it or you don't want to see what you're doing. And when someone points it out to you, rather than hear what they're trying to say, you're going to, you're just going to dig deeper into your own, you know, wormhole and just stick to what you think is the truth. And pick and, and choose what elements of what they're telling you is is happening to latch on to. Like as you pointed out, Coin, the word promotion. Uh he, he I mean, he absolutely grabbed that and would not let it go. Uh and I thought that was his way of deflecting from what really we're talking about, which is you putting a link out to a piece of work that has a strong anti-Semitic message and tone to it. And whether you believe that or not, that you are implicitly endorsing that by the simple fact that you're putting it out there to your four and a half million followers. So whether you agree with everything or not, you don't give the audience a chance to understand that. Like if there are elements in that that you agree with, just speak on those things and just say, there's a lot of things they're gonna talk about, but I'm gonna just say right now, I link that because I agree with their point about this. And this, and this, the rest of that stuff, I'm not really clear on, but those three elements or those two things, those are things that I am absolutely on board with. That way, not only are you showing that you have actually taken time to learn about what you're spewing about, but you're also taking it to that next step, which is educating your audience. Kyrie doesn't do that. He throws stuff, he, he throws stuff out there and it's just like, and? And? I mean, like, like the, the press conference that he had the other day where he opens with saying that, I went to Amazon Prime, I put in a term, and I put in another term, and this came up, there you have it. So to me, it's like, you didn't watch it? You didn't do any kind of research on it? I mean, to me, on the cookies on the bottom shelf level, you watch it. You watch the damn movie that you just, particularly when you have that type of platform. He's just he's just very flawed and we all are flawed and I get that. But to have the type of platform that he has and to be as reckless about it and not taking on the responsibility that you should when you have a platform of that size, that's troublesome. It kind not like that it's exact similarity because these are two two completely different um, examples, but him not watching or reading it again, we haven't confirmed, but it's kind of like when LeBron would walk around with books in his hand and then he was actually asked what he'd take away from that Malcolm X autobiography. And he didn't really have much to say because he hadn't fully read it. So a lot of times it, it feels as though, I mean, maybe they are similar in the sense that 
it's an optics thing. It's like if he's promote if he mentally wants to promote these this kind of content, whether or not they're actually consuming it for them, it's about what is my what are my optics, what is my brand, and how do I continue to build that brand? And clearly for Kyrie, it's it's definitely not on the path of what society is. Then be about. transparent about that. I mean, be yeah. transparent that look, I haven't read this book, but I hear it's. X, Y, Z, one, two, three, pretty right. good, pretty bad, whatever. And that, at least that way we know, okay, he didn't read this book, so mm-hmm. he doesn't really know what it's about. So I'm going to put his recommendation in a certain category because it's coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't really know what the hell they're, they're, they're putting out there versus mm-hmm. someone who's actually read it or has looked into it or just can give me some knowledge other than the fact that they saw this on their screen, they did a copy and paste, put it in a tweet, put it on IG or whatever, Send it on its way. Well, I know that our fans would rather us talk about the Boston Celtics. Before we do that, I have to talk about Indeed. And I'm sure that the Brooklyn Nets might be appreciative this week of our ad sponsor, Indeed, because no one has a business like yours. And with all its strengths and challenges to succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for the right head coach or candidate for your job with just the right skills, Indeed has the powerful tools to help you find the person that you need. And one of the most powerful tools actually is that instant match. Over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match the job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to U.S. data. When you sponsor a post on Indeed, you're three times more likely to get a hire. So, I mean, why not sign up for something that just makes your job so much easier? So all you have to do right now, if you're looking to hire for your small business or your NBA team, is to start hiring with that $75 sponsored job credit. All you have to do is go to Indeed.com slash A-list. The offer is good for a limited time. Again, you can claim that $75 credit now on Indeed.com slash A-list need to hire, you need Indeed. So let's talk about the actual Boston Celtics. Sorry that we took you guys through this long journey through Brooklyn, up the East Coast, and now we're in Boston, where the Celtics are looking, you know, a little good right now. You know, (laughs) a little, what was that? You know. Well, they doing their thing. I mean, it was a little rocky, you know, at one point, but they're bouncing back right now. They have, they, the most recent win was at home win over Washington. Jalen Brown had 24. Jason Tatum had 23. The what was your takeaway from? Let's start with those two. What, what who stood out to you the most? Points aside. You got it, G. <laughs> no, go ahead. Of course, Rob. All right. The guy the to me, the, the guy that stood out was Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, um, okay. Let's um, skip him. <laughs> but the thing about Malcolm, 23 points, 23 minutes, that in itself mm-hmm. is great. But more importantly, his ability to just set the tone defensively, uh, showcase the ability to be an impact player, which they brought him in here to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was his one of his best, if not the best game he had at both ends of the floor. I thought he did a lot of good things defensively. Uh, and as a team, they did a lot of good things defensively, which for them, that that has to be, that has to be a major part of their success going forward. Um, I, I thought Brian did well. Uh, I thought Jerry- You're not saying Lou Cornett. <laughs> I thought Jalen set the tone. Uh, I thought it was just a good all-around effort, a good right. defensive effort, um, you know, shutting Beal down in that game until 
you know, not scoring until like three minutes left in the third quarter, keep him as a total non-factor. I wasn't crazy about some of the runs they gave up. I think when they got up 51-27 and it looked like it was going to be a really easy night, they started getting cute. And then, um, you know, Washington cut it to 11 by halftime. And that's the kind of game that you're up 24 in the first half, make it 30 or 35, like put them really away and you can make an, an easy night. And it was somewhat of an easy night because Jalen and Jason only played um, like a minute 40 in the fourth quarter, but you could have made it a little bit easier by concentrating a little bit more. And those are the lapses that we saw last year playing with leads, all the pull-up threes and 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 everybody trying to get each other their, their turn at the three ball. Like just play the game through. So, but I thought Malcolm was was tremendous in that game. I thought he kind of took pressure off Jason and Jalen scoring wise. Uh, and as I said, there's a good, you, you got to beat teams like that. Like those are the teams you need to focus on beating, taking care of business, breaking that two game losing streak. And I want to go to the game right before that, the bench. So we've been talking about the bench since honestly the NBA finals at this point. So scoring 48 points against Cleveland, even though it ended up being a loss, do you think that was a fluke? of what the bench can do, or is that real? Is that what the Celtics bench is made of? They got guys. Well, go ahead, Gary. You got it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think as guys get more comfortable in their roles and Brogdon and that, Sam Hauser could be a factor. And, you know, uh, there was no grant against Cleveland, remember? So that's a missed little bit scoring off the yeah. bench there. Um, You know, I think the bench is fine, you know. I think that could they use another boost? I think they could, but we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, obviously it looks like Cornette has kind of replaced Vonley as that backup center role because he's got some considerably more minutes over the last couple of games than he did in the first couple of games where he was just kind of playing mop-up duty. Um, so I look out for that factor. And, you know, I think they're just trying to find themselves find their role Hauser's getting open clean looks I, I think uh focus on him what's going to happen with Peyton Pritchard can he get some earn some more minutes uh I just think there's some uh, left you know some some things to still figure out with the bench but I do think they were capable of scoring points you know Hauser can hit the open three Brogdon get to the basket um Grant Williams can is capable of 15 18 points on a, on a given night so I don't, I think that that's what they need from their bench. You know, um, they need a lift. I think it was interesting. Brockton said in Chicago, like they got smoked, like Chicago put in their bench. The Celtics took like a 20, you know, 19 point lead. And the Celtic, the Bulls were countered with like Derrick Jones Jr. And Gordon Drogic and Andre Drummond. And it was like the Celtics then got smoked and they blew the lead very quickly. Brockton was bad. There was a lot of just really poor play on, on that. They didn't hold the lead. They didn't keep things up. And that's what the bench needs to do. Keep the level of play high. So I thought they did that on most part against Cleveland. Good job against Washington. Uh, the, the problem against Cleveland was just the defense was, you know, was awful. Yeah. I mean, when you give up 41 points to not one, but two guys in the same game, hell yeah, your defense is awful. Uh, especially if only one of those two is an all-star caliber player. And especially if one of those two next game out has what, one point? 
something ridiculous like that uh, Bird had. The, the, the bench is going to be fine. I, I think they're going to be fine because they have something that I don't think they've had in a while, and that's legitimate, bona fide, undeniable leadership. That's what Malcolm Brogdon gives them. He gives them a presence that they, I think, understand their roles and, em- and em- have embrace those roles. You know, Hauser knows when he gets in the game, his job is to shoot, but he's got to do enough defensively so that he, that doesn't stand out in a bad way. Uh, you start going Grant Williams, you know, he's your job, knock down open shots and, and be somewhat of a physical presence around the basket. Uh, they, you start going down a line of what guys are supposed to do. And it's clear that they have the talent to get significant contributions night in and night out from that bench. It's just a matter of, are those guys going to consistently make the most of their opportunities? Cause they're going to get, they're going to get opportunities to play. Uh, Joe Mazzullo has been pretty clear about wanting to, to play, you know, lots of different guys, but, if you're not getting it done, he's got no choice but to have but to have you sit next to him and the rest of the coaches. Uh, you don't want to be you don't want to be that dude. So I like where they're at, but I think that there's still a couple layers at levels that they can get to with that second unit and 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 be really really better than they are right now. You mentioned Brogdon. Do you would you rather see him start or what do you think about him coming off the bench consistently? Which do you think is a better fit for the Celtics? <laughs> Second unit. I, I like him with the second group because they need some stability. As I mentioned earlier, they need a glue guy. And he's that, he's that guy. I mean, he is, you know, he has a presence about him that speaks to his ability to be a leader of men. And that's what you need in that second unit. You that need Barack to, Obama voice. I'm telling you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, he's got that going on. And bottom line is, He's talented too. I mean, we can talk about leadership all you want, but he he, he can get buckets. He can make plays. Um, Experience he's that all matters. And, he, yeah. and, he, and he's he's a good player who understands and appreciates what he brings to the game, mm-hmm. and understands how to connect with his with his teammates. And he's done a good job as a leader for these guys. Yeah. What else do we need to talk about? Uh, let's, yeah, the Wizards were actually the Celtics' first opponent this season that held were held to less than hundred points. Do you think the Celtics are back to being an elite defense? And is this the defensive player of the year effect? Mr. Marcus Smart. Go ahead, no, Gary. No. Trickle down defense. No, they got to, I mean, they got Cleveland on Wednesday, then Chicago. The, yeah, they need last, that. the two teams That's that beat them, they got them coming up again this mm-hmm. week. Let's see what happens there. I think they play good defense, but I don't think they're back. I think they got some work to, they have to do on schemes and techniques. But I think it was a good sign. But I think it's going to take 10, 15 games more for them to really play that lockdown defense. And obviously, you know, whenever Robert Williams comes back, I think that will add to it and make it just, you know, the cherry on top in terms of their defensive uh, arsenal. But um, I'm not going to go off one game. I think I think they've got to be like more consistent in that department, stick to their principles, not let let things go. Uh, when things get a little bit difficult, uh, as they did against Cleveland. Yeah, there's definite signs of, of of trending in the right direction defensively, but they still have a ways to go. And and even when they continue to make progress, we're not going to really know how good they are until they get Robert Williams back. I think that his absence really, you know, just makes everything a little bit more pronounced as far as problems. I talked to Al Horford after, you know, the, the game with the Wizards, and we talked about just not having Rob. And, you know, Al made it pretty clear that without Rob, 
we all have to do our jobs a lot better because Rob cleaned up a lot of the mistakes that we made. Yeah, they were a top-ranked defense, but they got arguably the top-ranked cleanup guy back there making sure that, you know, when they get beat, it doesn't, it doesn't have a significant impact. And I, and I think what we saw the last – in those games that they lost, it became very apparent what not having Rob Williams looked like. Uh, there are certain games that we're going to see between now and his return where his absence is going to be very pronounced, that you're going to know – this is why this guy got some, you know, was, was an, you know, an all NBA defender. This is why when these players talk about who's the team's best defender, the only person that, that is given any consideration to be better than him is Marcus Smart, who's the defensive player of the year. So his absence is certainly a, a factor, but defensively, I, I, again, I like what I'm seeing with guys like Jalen Brown, for example, I thought he had, had a really good uh, game defensively uh, the other night. And, you know, even though Sam Hauser is not no lockdown defender, he's not going to get any all NBA defensive votes. But when I'm watching him play, I'm not watching him get completely filleted and, and, and char grilled defensively. He's not barbecue chicken out there. No, he does not become barbecue chicken defensively. No barbecue chicken alert. <laughs> no barbecue chicken for Sam Hauser. And that's a great thing because when when, you, when people talk about his play, you're focusing mostly on what he does well, which is making shots. You're not thinking about what he does defensively because he doesn't make the mistakes that I think some other guys uh, are making defensively. He's a good positional defender. He's not out jumping anybody or anything like that, but you're not seeing guys easily blow by him. And when guys do beat him, he's smart enough to, to direct them to where the help's at. So um, Sam's been a solid defender. Jalen Brown, though, you mentioned him a little bit. Do you think his defensive game has improved? So far, I thought the Washington game was really, really good. You start going through the numbers, guys shot like 35% against him uh, in that game, and they were 7 for 20 combined, which is a lot of shots for for one guy to to be defending. But I thought Jalen, as Gary pointed out earlier, I thought Jalen did set the tone at both ends of the floor. I thought his defense was solid. It felt as though he did a better job of contesting shots. And it seemed that as a team, they did a better job at that. And and defensively, you know, that's a big part of being successful, the ability to make the degree of difficulty for your opponents as tough as possible. And I thought they did a much better job of that. And as Gary pointed out, you know, Bradley Bill didn't score till late in the you know third quarter. I think his first basket, he scored with about three minutes to play, and he made his first basket with about a minute, 30, minute, 40 to play in the third quarter. And to hold a guy that explosive offensively to like one bucket and basically, you know, damn near three quarters of play, that's that that's impressive. And Jalen certainly was one of the guys that, that had a hand in that. Before we wrap up around the league, but still in the Eastern Conference, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn, I keep wanting to say New York things. Wow. The Milwaukee Bucks are the only team that's currently undefeated. They're 6-0 and as of Tuesday. Do you think this is sustainable? How long do you think the Brooklyn... You mean has- you go 82-0? Is that what you're saying, Brooklyn? Why do I keep saying Brooklyn? Yeah, Milwaukee. Can they go undefeated? <laughs> uh, no. No. They're good. They're good. They're, they're, um... I, I... Look, they're going to be one of the last teams standing. There's no, and I, I do believe Milwaukee will be the best team going into the playoffs out of the East. I think they'll have the best record. I think they've got, you know, one of the most unstoppable players who is basically a mid-range to long-range jump shot away of being the most unstoppable player, period. Uh, with his athleticism, his age, he's still a relatively young man. Uh mm-hmm. Just his basketball IQ just seems to keep growing and growing. 
and just pure athleticism. And, and the NBA has a lot of great athletes, but Giannis is on a different level uh, than athletes. I, I think back to when he first came into the NBA and they were practicing for a game for the Celtics. They were practicing at uh, it was Emerson College. And they, in the practice, one of the guys was, was saying, Giannis, I need you to do this thing. And Giannis goes down to one end of the court, sprints down, dribbling the ball, and takes off with about a good a good half a foot behind the line and dunks the damn basketball. That free throw dunk that Jordan kind of does, Giannis can do that. Giannis can absolutely do that. And this was a this was when he was like skinny Giannis, like mm-hmm. hadn't really been fed Giannis. Yeah. Now he's eating. Now he's eating well. Uh, he's eating food well. He's eating teams well. He's he's that dude. Yeah, Milwaukee's gonna have the best record in the East. Uh, playoffs is a crapshoot. It depends on health, depends on matchups, things of that nature. But they are going to have the best record in the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs. Y'all better go to betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50. <laughs> Y'all better go get them congrees. Y'all better go get that food, Gary. Y'all better go eat. Gary, what do you think? Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn again, just. I think they, they're fine. I don't think they played particularly well yet this season. They kind of held on to beat Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, the games I've seen them, they've had spurts. Uh, they don't look like this juggernaut yet, but they don't have Chris Middleton. They don't have Pat Connaughton. So I think they'll, they're going to be fine after that. So, uh, yeah, I think they're the main contender in the East. Miami started out slow, two and five. Philadelphia is just starting to get things together now, win a couple of games in a row, getting Doc off the hot seat a little bit win at Washington, um, you know, and just just starting to get things together. So I think the East is, is obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Brooklyn, um, but I think that at this point it's Miami and Philadelphia, and then Cleveland I think is some team to watch out for. You know, everybody's like, there's a couple of years away, but it might be, this might be the year that they start, they bite somebody and get to the second round or something like that. So I think Cleveland's definitely someone to watch out for too. So. Um, yeah, I think the, the 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 competition's there, but I think Milwaukee's the best. But right now, I don't think they're playing particularly great either. Uh, but with Middleton back, I think right now they're the best. You heard it here first, folks. Once again, we got to show some love to our sponsors, BetOnline.ag. I know I keep making jokes, but seriously, use that promo code TLNS50. Of course, Indeed.com/slash/alist if you're looking to hire. But that's episode 100, guys. That's crazy. Put some sparklers in the... (laughs) (laughs) Gary's just a party pooper, not dancing, but it's okay. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you did a really good impression of a noisemaker. I'm I'm impressed. Isn't it great? Well, thank you to our listeners for getting us to 100 episodes. Again, happy birthday to Sherrod. We'll be back next week. This is the A-List Podcast. Thank you for listening.